Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Good morning, everyone. Today's sermon is titled as When Crisis Looms, and we are covering Daniel chapter 2, verses 1 to 16. So let me ask you a quick question. What would you do if you know that a crisis is round the corner? Would you try to quick fix the problem before it explodes into a crisis? Would you seek wise counsel? Or maybe some of you, maybe you would just pretend nothing is happening and continue business as usual. Or perhaps some of you are already in some form of a crisis, whether it's in your work, your studies, your parenting journey, your marriage, relational tensions that you're facing, or even health challenges. Regardless of age or station in life, most of us can identify with the topic of crisis, isn't it? There's another group of people who are very familiar with the topic of crisis, and they are God's people in the book of Daniel. You know, God's people in the book of Daniel lost the promised land. The temple of God was destroyed, and their king was eradicated by King Nebuchadnezzar. Even Daniel and his friends lost their Hebrew names and identity. One theologian said that the people of God in the book of Daniel went through national and personal crises, and they needed crisis theology. Today, likewise, we too need crisis theology to learn how to respond when crisis looms. And let us gain biblical insights and perspectives from the story in Daniel chapter 2. Talking about story, Daniel chapter 2 is written in a narrative form where the biblical truth is put across to the readers in a very indirect way. Instead of stating ideas propositionally, the author connected with the readers emotionally and theologically through story in Daniel chapter 2. So whenever we read a story in the Bible, we are not supposed or not merely seek to just become like the character in the Bible or avoid the bad behaviours by certain bad characters in the Bible. So our job is not to become like the character in the Bible. When we read any story in the Bible, we must seek to find out what's the author's point of view of the story. The author's point of view of the story is the biblical theology that God wants to communicate to the readers. So how do we discover the author's point of view of the story, which is the biblical theology that God wants to communicate to the readers? We discover that by looking at three basic components of a story in the Bible. They are the setting, characters, and plot. Professor Lenin Riken says this, Pay close attention to every detail of setting that a storyteller puts into a story. And if setting has an important role, Analyze how it contributes to the story. Also, to be alert to the way in which character and plot work together to produce the total effect. So, in order to understand the author's point of view, the biblical theology that God wants to communicate to the readers, we must look at the setting, character, and plot and see how they all interact to communicate to us the biblical theology. So, let us begin with the setting of the book of Daniel. In 722 BC, God allowed Assyria to drive 
the northern kingdom of Israel into exile. So that should be a wake-up call for the southern kingdom of Judah to wake up and repent. But they did not. God's people back then were supposed to rise up to bring light to the nations. They are supposed to draw the nations out of darkness, out of idolatry. But they perverted that responsibility and they themselves went into darkness and idolatry. So when they see the ten tribes, the northern kingdom of Israel, going into exile, the southern kingdom of Judah should wake up, but they did not wake up and repent. However, God gave them 100 years of grace. It was only after 100 years of grace, God decided to send the southern kingdom of Judah into the hands of King Nebuchadnezzar to be invaded by the Babylonian king, Babylonian army. So before we read, sometimes we read and maybe we might conclude, wow, the God of Israel in the book of Daniel is so cruel. Before we form that impression, we must remember that God gave them 100 years of grace to wake up and repent. It was only after 100 years of grace, God decided to send them into the hands of King Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel. This is an important setting that we must take note. Another important setting or cultural setting that we must take note is this. Back in those ancient days, it is said that the king's military victory is strongly tied to the power of the god they worship. The king's victory is interconnected to the power of the god they worship. So that means when we read Daniel chapter 1, which we covered in the past few Sundays, to see God's people going into exile, it seems to send a very loud message to the readers that their god was weak and their god had been defeated. Absolutely not. Because the author in Daniel chapter 1 wrote it in such a way that he intentionally mentioned to the readers that it was God himself who sent the people into exile, into the hands of King Nebuchadnezzar. It was God himself who did it. God is still powerful. God is still in control. God is moving behind the scenes of his people in the book of Daniel. So that is the setting we must take note before we read the scriptures. So after covering setting, we need to understand the character within the plot before we move on to understand the character in the plot, to understand the theological message behind the message, behind to this chapter, let us begin to pray. Father, we do not want to respond with fears when crisis looms. Help us to trust you and believe that you are working behind the curtains of our life, our family, our country, and even the nations. Today, fill us with your spirit and help us to see you through the scriptures. Empower us to obey you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. When crisis looms, trust that God is still with you. When crisis looms, believe that nothing is impossible with God. The two biblical theologies that are surfaced from Daniel chapter 2, verses 1 to 16 in today's passage. Let us dive in in first point of today's sermon. When crisis looms, trust that God is still with you. I'm not going to read all 16 verses of Daniel chapter 2. I'm going to narrate the story to you and then we zoom in at certain verses. So Daniel chapter 2 begins with the king in the second year of his reign and Daniel and his friends were in the third year of their training program. And suddenly, the king started having terrifying dreams. So he decided to call the wise men, enchanters, sorcerers, Chaldeans to come and describe to him the dream and to interpret the dream for them. Dreams in those days are considered as divine messages that come from divine realm. So it was very common for the king to gather his people, his dream team, his dream interpretation team, to describe, to interpret for them. 
So they believe that the success of the king depends a lot on the interpretation of the dream. So it was common. It was, it was not considered superstitious. However, what was uncommon was that the king refused to tell them the dream. The king refused to describe the dream for them, for them to interpret. So it, it's like your friend upset with you, and then you ask your friend, why are you upset with me? Then your good friend says, you should know why I'm upset with you. It is almost exactly the same. Like, the king just refused to tell them the dream so that they could interpret. So the wise man said, no, this is so difficult. King, can you just tell us your dream so that we can interpret? The king was so furious, he refused to describe the dream to them, and he said, if you're not able to tell me the dream and interpret it, I will kill all of you, including Daniel and his friends. So can you sense the climax of the story, the intensity of the story? And let us zoom in at verses 10 and 11 and to see what the wise man said, particularly the Chaldeans. Verses 10 and 11 says this, The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand, for no great or powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Now we are zooming in at the character within the plot, and the character we want to zoom in today are the Chaldeans. Remember, we want to seek to understand the author's point of view. It's not just to understand what the characters say, but to understand what the author's point of view, because when we do that, we will find the biblical theology that God wants to communicate to the readers. So to do that, we're going to zoom in at the character Chaldeans. In this case, the characters Chaldeans are functioning as a foil. A foil is a type of literary device that a Bible author used frequently in those days when they describe a story or when they write a story. A foil is a literary device when the author uses a character to contrast with another character to heighten something for the readers to take note. So in this case, we must zoom in to see what Chaldeans said. So the Chaldeans said in verse 11, no one can show it to the king except God's whose dwelling is not with flesh. So what the Chaldeans are saying is that there's a limitation in their scale and also there's a limitation in their gods. The Chaldeans' gods do not dwell among flesh. So while the Chaldeans, the Babylonian gods, are inaccessible, the Bible author is trying to contrast that Daniel's God is totally accessible. That is the biblical theology that we must take note in Daniel chapter 2. While the Chaldeans or the Babylonians' God were totally inaccessible, the contrast is Daniel's God is accessible. It's true, Daniel's God, which is God, is still with them even though they are not in the promised land. God is still with them even though they are in the crisis of exile. God is still with them when they face a looming crisis and angry king. God is still with them when crisis looms. That is the biblical theology that the author wants to communicate to the readers. Likewise, God is still with you when crisis looms. That is the biblical theology that you must take note, not only through Daniel chapter 2, but in your life. God has not left you, and he will not begin to forsake you. Maybe some of you are thinking, Pastor Sharon, I know it here that God is with me. But how do I live it out? How exactly do I walk out of this century, switch off the online sermon at the end of the sermon, and to live out the fact that God is still with me? My brothers and sisters in Christ, we trust that God is still with us when crisis looms by tracing His hand in our life. 
Where do you get that, Pastor Sharon? By tracing his hand in our life, let us zoom in at one verse just before Daniel chapter 2. One verse just before Daniel chapter 2. Can you trace your finger to chapter 1, verse 21? Chapter 1, verse 21 sets a very important tone, backdrop and setting that interacts with Daniel chapter 2. That is so important that we must take note. It says in verse 21, Daniel was there, was there in the court, in the palace serving the king, was there until the first year of King Cyrus. So this verse sets a very important setting that we must take note because it spills over to our story in Daniel chapter 2. Verse 21 tells us that Daniel didn't die. He lived a good old age until King Cyrus. It tells us that Daniel didn't die in the looming crisis in chapter 2, isn't it? It tells us that God's hand has been upon Daniel all this while, from the beginning of exile, when Daniel was still a youth, all the way to King Cyrus' days when he was already 80 years old. This verse 21 tells us that the readers want us to see the looming crisis in chapter 2 through this lens, through this verse 21, through this setting, that God's hand has been upon Daniel that God is still with Daniel when they face an angry king. He's still with them because his hand is upon Daniel from the beginning of the exile when he was a youth all the way when he was 80 years old during the days of King Cyrus. So we should not fear. Daniel must not fear. The readers in those days must not fear because God is still with them by tracing his hand of faithfulness from the beginning of the exile to the days of King Cyrus. Likewise, when crisis looms in your life, trust that God is still with you by tracing His hand in your life. You know how God is a faithful God. He has been so faithful in the days of Jacob, the days of Abraham, the days of David, Daniel, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. He has been so faithful. Likewise, God has been so faithful in your life. All these years, He has not left you. He will not begin to forsake you. Think of the signatures of God's faithfulness in your life. He has been so faithful to you. Can you trace God's faithfulness in your life? Personally, when I go through really dark season of my life and when I no longer can trace His faithfulness, I will take out the previous years of my journal and I will just take one of them and I would just flip through the pages of my journal and recall His faithfulness. That's the beauty of God's faithfulness in our lives. I always tell the young people, journal. Journal not because we want to be spiritually disciplined. Journal because we are so forgetful. Isn't it? We cannot even remember what we ate yesterday. If I ask you what did you eat for breakfast, not many of you can answer. Sometimes I cannot even remember what God spoke to me yesterday, two days ago, three days ago. I cannot remember. And But when we note down God's faithfulness in our lives daily, regularly, when you go through that season of your life, take your journal out and flip those pages. You will be able to trace His hand in your life. He has not left you. He will not begin to forsake you. Right now, right here, I want to give you 30 seconds to invite you to close your eyes and to allow the Spirit to help you to recall one act of God's faithfulness in your life. Let us close our eyes right now.
you may open your eyes. If you can at least recall one faithful act of God in your life, can you nod your head? Can you nod? Most of you are nodding your head. God has been so faithful to us. Daniel 1 verse 21 sets the tone, the backdrop, the setting for the story that we are covering. Verse 21 tells us that Daniel didn't die. He lived a good old age. God's hand has been upon Daniel from the beginning of exile when he was a youth all the way when he was old during the days of King Cyrus. Therefore, when we look at the looming crisis in Daniel 2, when we see an angry king, we must not fear. Daniel must not fear because God's hand has been upon Daniel from the beginning to the end. Likewise, when we face looming crisis, do not fear. Trust that God is still with you. Trace His hand in your life. Recall His signatures of faithfulness in your life. He has not left you. He will never begin to forsake you right now. He is always with you. Trust that by tracing His hand. When crisis looms, trust that God is still with you. Believe that nothing is impossible with God. Let us zoom in at second point of today's sermon. Nothing is impossible with God. We zoom in at verses 10 and 11 again because verses 10 and 11 are looking at the character of the Chaldeans. So in this case, the Chaldeans is functioning as a foil, which is a type of literary device that the author used back then and also quite common in this day and age. So if you look at verses 10 and 11, it tells us that the Chaldeans said this to the king. No one on earth could describe the dream and interpret it like that. Number two, no king has ever made such a request. Number three, the thing that you ask is really difficult. So the author uses a literary device in the form of a foil to contrast one character with another character to heighten something for the readers back then to take note. So while the Chaldeans say that it was difficult for the Babylonians' God, the contrast is nothing is impossible with Daniel's God. Can you see the contrast? And can you see the biblical theology that the author is trying to communicate to the readers? While it was difficult for the Chaldeans' God, the contrast is nothing is impossible with God. And no wonder Daniel did what he did subsequently in verses 12 to 16. Let me read verses 12 to 16 from the ESV version to all the rest. Verse 12, Because of this, the king was angry and was very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out and the wise men were about to be killed and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. After he requested a time to meet the king, Shortly after that, which is next Sunday's sermon, Daniel went back to pray for God to reveal the mystery of the dream and for him to interpret. So stay tuned for next Sunday's sermon. Come back online, on-site for next Sunday's sermon. You know, the story for us is not for us to behave like Daniel. Oh, say, decide first and then go back, pray like Matt to twist the arm of God. No, we're not supposed to copycat what Daniel did. What Daniel did was basically to show you the contrast that the author was trying to do. While it was difficult for the Babylonian's God, nothing is impossible with Daniel's God. And therefore, he did what he did. He went in to request a time to meet the king. That is the biblical theology that we must not miss. When crisis looms, believe that nothing is impossible with God. 
Nothing is too hard for God. It surfaced through Daniel chapter 2, but it surfaced throughout the Bible. Nothing is too hard for God. Let me just highlight a few verses in other um, story. In Genesis 18, verses 13 to 14, it says this, The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Jeremiah 32, verse 17, it says, Ah, Lord God, it is you who make the heavens and the earth. By your great power and by your outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for you. Professor Walter Brigham, who writes about Daniel chapter 2, says this, This open-ended question, is anything too hard for God, resurfaces throughout the Bible, and it is a fundamental question that every human person must answer. And may I add, it's a question that every Christian must answer and must wrestle with. That if God is nothing is too hard for you, why did you allow God's people to go into exile? If you are so powerful and able, why did you allow such a crisis to happen upon God's people? This is a question that we must ask and we know perhaps there are two redemptive reasons why God sent his people into exile. It is to lead the faithless people back to him in repentance and to lead the faithful remnant like Daniel in greater dependence on him. These are two reasons why God allowed crisis in the book of Daniel. Just because it's impossible, and you know, God is, is, is so able, it doesn't mean that God doesn't allow bad things on his people. And the next question we ask, and we must ask, wrestle and answer is this. If anything is impossible with God, why does God allow crisis in my life? Why does God not answer my prayer? Why does He still let me wait in my pain? God, are you real and are you still here? This is a question that we must wrestle. If nothing is too hard for God, God, why are you not doing something? Perhaps, perhaps there are two reasons why we are facing crisis or still facing some challenges in our lives. Perhaps it is to lead us to true repentance and deep dependence on Him. Not fake repentance, true repentance. When we come before God, we have a contrite heart and a broken spirit. In this prayer season, I really want to encourage you to linger in the presence of God, to go deeper, and to ask Him to reveal your sins to you, our hidden faults, our presumptuous sins, our blind spots. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to us by His grace and His mercy. In this prayer season, Ask God to help you to abide deeper. Depend on Him like never before. To run to Him not as a second choice or third choice, but whenever you face something, whether it's a crisis, a challenge, a difficulty, that you call upon the name of Jesus first, that you ask Him for help. That is that deep dependence on Him. Even in the darkest journey, God is doing an impossible task of using the crisis in our lives to redeem us to transform us and conform us into the image of His Son. That God is using the crisis and the mess in our lives to weave a masterpiece in us. James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4 says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking in anything. Even in the darkest journey, God is doing the most impossible task of using our pain, our mess, to redeem us, 
transform us and conform us to the image of His Son. Wait on God in your pain. Don't run away, don't quick fix when crisis looms. Wait on Him. He's using the crisis and the pain to weave a masterpiece in your life. When crisis looms, believe that nothing is impossible with God. The theme of impossibility is surfaced not only in Daniel chapter 2, but throughout the Bible. The author uses the foil, which is a literary device, where he contrasts two characters. While Babylonians God found it difficult to interpret the dream or describe the dream, nothing is impossible with Daniel's God. That is the biblical theology that we must walk away and live it out that truly nothing is impossible with God. If God allows the pain in your life, ask God to lead you to true repentance and deeper dependence on Him. As we come to a close, today God is calling us to trust Him. When crisis looms, trust that God is still with you. Believe that nothing is impossible with God. He has not left you. He will not begin to forsake you. He's doing a deep work. He's using the crisis to bring you deeper to draw you home. Trust in Him. Even when you don't understand His plan, trust His heart. Can I invite you to rise and let us respond to God with this song, Trust His Heart. When you don't understand His plan, trust His heart. work for our good Though sometimes we can't see how they could Struggles that break our hearts in two Sometimes blind us to the truth Oh Father knows what's best for us are not our own. So when your pathway grows dim and you just can't see Him, remember you're never alone. God is too wise. God is too wise to be mistaken. God is too
God, I want to trust in you today. With all eyes closed, can I invite you to raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Raise your hand by faith. That God, I believe in you. I believe in you. Nothing is impossible with you. Father, I bless my brothers and sisters in Christ today. I pray that you will fill them with your spirit, that you will meet them where they are, in a very intimate way that they know you are still there with them that you are still moving behind the curtains of their life. They cannot see, they don't understand. May you deepen that trust in them. Help them to come back with true, true repentance and deep dependence on you. You may put your hands down right now with all eyes closed. Can I speak to our second group of friends here, on-site and online? You are not a Christian, not a believer of Jesus Christ. You deeply desire Jesus to dwell with you, be with you, to overcome your crisis with you. But I need to lovingly let you know that there is a crisis, a greatest crisis of life, and that is an eternal separation from God. Today, you feel a prompting in your heart that you want to believe in Jesus, believe that He died for your sins. By His blood, your sins are cleansed and forgiven. And you want to receive Jesus in your life, to dwell in you, with you forever. If this is you with all eyes closed, can I invite you to raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Is there anyone here, up in the gallery as well, anyone who wants to receive Jesus for the first time, on site or in the online space, I want to pray for you. Father, I want to bless my friends who are receiving Jesus for the first time. May you come into their life, forgive their sins, cleanse their sins, and you say in your word, you remember their sins no more. Give them a new heart, a new beginning. Surround them with Christian friends that can invite them to church and get to know Jesus deeper than before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to invite you to remain standing. In a little while, we will partake the Holy Communion together. But let us sing the next song to declare our faith and to ask God 
to remind us of our faith in Christ, to declare our faith and prepare our hearts for Holy Communion.
We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's Word. And we hope that the message has ministered to you. You can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.